Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. Hey everyone, it's Reed. Before we get started, I think we need to understand a lot of times in life there's nuance, but sometimes in a fight like this, guys, there isn't. There is a good side and there is a bad side. This is a black and white decision. Re-electing Joe Biden in 2024 means the continuation of American democracy and the re-election of Donald Trump means the end of it. It is that simple, everybody. And I know we don't like binary choices, but here we are. And I need you to do everything you can to keep that in mind and to let your friends and your family and your colleagues and everybody in America know what the stakes are. It's not just you and me. It's our kids. It's our grandkids. It's the future of what we want America to be. I'll tell you this, guys. I don't know what happens when Joe Biden gets reelected, but it gives us opportunities. It gives us choices to decide how America continues. If Donald Trump gets reelected, that's taken away from all of us, and we will enter a period none of us even want to imagine. And so I want to say thank you to you, not only for all you've done and all you're doing, but all we will do together in the next 12 months. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today, I'm joined by Liam Kerr, co-founder of Welcome PAC, a Democratic-aligned PAC that applies insurgent tactics to support pro-democracy and center-left candidates in swing districts and the building of a big tent Democratic Party. Liam, welcome back. Great to be here. So just before we get into the current fight, remind us a little bit about you and a little bit about the Welcome PAC. Yeah, so like a lot of mainstream Democrats or Team Normal is one way to call our faction within the party. You know, in 2020 and a certain zeitgeist era of the party going really far left, we said, hey, we're turning off a lot of people that we need to build not just the big tent, but the dominant coalition that can defeat Trumpism, send a very clear message. And so along with my co-founder, we launched an initiative to reach out and bring people into the party, starting in primaries where independents were allowed to vote, and then shifting to the center-right battlegrounds where we know there's more swing voters than the so-called experts say. And so in 2022, we went into districts in California and Colorado and Ohio and found some of the most high upside opportunities for supporting moderate Democrats who reach out, bring in Republicans, and we got to do that in the U.S. Capitol today. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, the weird thing about MAGA and the Republican coalition, I'm going to use air quotes there, is that if you got a brand of crazy, they're happy to take it, right? It doesn't have to be their crazy, but if you've got something that's outside the mainstream, indecent, ugly, anti-democratic, like you're a fellow traveler, come along with us. And I say this as a former Republican not as a criticism, but more as an observation, which is on the left, there's a lot of purity. 
you have to not only believe what I believe 100%, I have to believe in what you believe 100%, and they're going to be different. And it can be, I would imagine, as someone who's worked in democratic politics, sometimes difficult to stitch together that coalition, because as I have said before, and the listeners have heard me say, the democratic coalition's strength is its diversity, but that could also be a hurdle. Yeah, and the extremes are organized. You know, we see that on the right at the moment. You know, you mentioned in the intro, we like to apply insurgent tactics. That means learning from the far right, learning from the far left. How do they gain outsized power? And far left is pretty organized. As you said, they have the very clear litmus tests. They will make you pay a price if you step out of line from their perspective. And so we need the center to be just as organized, to be just as coherent, to be just as clear, and to pick those battles like Matt Gates just picked, to say, we have asymmetrical warfare here, where we might be small, but we can have outsized impact. And the far left knows how to do that. The far right knows how to do that. And we need the center to learn how to do that. We really need these moderate Republicans to learn how to do that. Well, and so let's talk about the fight that we're all in right now. There's the broader fight for democracy. We'll call that the campaign. And then there's battles within a campaign. And as you noted, now almost two weeks ago, Republicans like Matt Gates and eight others, there's this word that everybody's been using, Liam, they defenestrated him, which means throwing someone out a window, which I think that reporters like to use. And I, I used it yesterday just because it's a fun word to write. So McCarthy's gone and makes little noises about maybe coming back. Then you get Steve Scalise, the majority leader, says, okay, I'm in. Jim Jordan, you know, number one of the kooky caucus says, I'm in too. Scalise wins an internal conference fight by 14 votes, so not a lot. A day later, he's out, and Jim Jordan is now in. And it started, as we were recording this even over the weekend, Liam, that there seemed to be about a 20-vote delta between Jim Jordan and the speakership of so-called, quote-unquote, moderate Republicans, or these people that have deemed themselves problem solvers, the likes of which, you know, no labels over the years and the crew here listening has heard about no labels probably more than they want to. But now, as we're recording this on Monday afternoon, this will drop Tuesday, it looks like that some of these moderates, the, the flip five, you know, effort that you've been putting together, the Biden 18 work that the Lincoln Project has done, you know, it looks like maybe they're just going to they're going to bend as uh, Rick Wilson, my co-founder, sent me a text and Somebody was quoted, some Republican operative was quoted saying, the moderates will fold, they always do. Yeah, NBC, it's probably the same quote. It's a great one, and it's a sad one. The people opposing Jim Jordan are moderates. So either Jim Jordan gets it, or the moderates, for the first time ever, grow a spine. And the lack of centrist spine, and really centrist insurgency, that attitude that Gates has, that attitude that Jim Jordan had, we need more of that attitude in the center. I mean, the Lincoln Project community has as much of that attitude as anybody. I mean, this is what they have on the far left and the far right. They got gangs of people that can jump in and pile on, and we saw it over the last couple of days. And we're pushing this concept. We only need five Republicans to join with Democrats to give more leverage to the rational center in this country than we've had in a long time. Well, and you know, this is the suggestion I made on Substack, follow me on Substack, the home front gang, is it shouldn't just be five of them, Liam. It shouldn't be 10. It shouldn't be 20. It should be 50 of them because there's got to be 50 members, Republican members, who want nothing to do with Jim Jordan because that means accepting Donald Trump truly once again as the effective and titular head of the party. It means electing a seditionist, a known seditionist, 
someone who is going to more than likely shut down the government or demand that his conference shut down the government here next month, end Ukraine funding, and basically allow the likes of the Jewish space lasers and all this, you know, ugly, virulent nastiness to basically say, okay, we're finally in charge. Well, it's not just crazy. It's crazy and unproductive. Jim Jordan has passed zero crazy bills, and he's passed zero productive bills. He's passed zero bills in 16 years, not just his own, co-sponsoring. I mean, this is putting forward an entire concept of undermining democracy, of Trump, but also just not even nodding to care anymore. They don't care. Right. But this is the thing, is that in the bizarro world in which the Republican Party now lives, Jim Jordan will not be penalized for getting nothing done in 16 years in Congress. He will be lauded for not having brought forth any legislation, right? For having done nothing but, you know, rake Hillary Clinton over the coals or, or bring up the Biden crime family. Like, they don't care because to them, chaos is a ladder. The government shutting down is Grover Norquist's biggest dream of being able to shrink it to the size of a bathtub. They don't like Ukraine because they're more aligned philosophically, politically, probably financially with Vladimir Putin than they are with Ukraine. And they're not Democrats. Small D Democrats are small L liberals. So for all of these things, Jordan is perfect. The problem is that he's the antithesis of someone who should be, you know, the speaker of the people's house and third in line to the presidency. And there's an apathy that is set in. I mean, the people who are alleged to be the bulwarks against Jordan in the House that we're going to see at noon, in all likelihood on the day this posts on Tuesday, whether they can even get to five to stop him. And you've got the guy with no jacket. He, like you said, looks good, Rick and Hillary over the coals. And then you got the guy with the bow tie, McHenry, who, you know, are the bow tie Republicans? Can they get to five is the question. And Mike Lawler, one of the, so our flip five campaign, which we started about a, a week and a half ago. And, you know, seeing you out there on that, you know, Lincoln Project's 18 Biden Republicans informing those voters. You have people like Lawler running ads in his district, putting him on the spot. And he is recorded, overheard, saying, oh, I'll probably just vote for him. He said, I don't want to put sand in the gears. We had Dan Crenshaw on TV over the weekend getting pressed by Jake Tapper about Jim Jordan, all the things that you just said about Jim Jordan, the insurrection, the undermining democracy, what that could hold for the future. Crenshaw said, look, he's part of the solution now, because if I had to actually stand tall on those things, I wouldn't have any friends anymore. Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. I mean, that's a guy who lost an eye for the country literally was wounded in combat. And here he is, you know, and what's funny too, Liam, is that Crenshaw, just to, to take a moment, is also a guy who went after the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene in a town hall, I think sometime last year and got booed for it. And 
I don't want to call it fascinating because it's not the right word. Probably the Germans have a word for it, right? Is the idea of knowing better, being shown front and center what you shouldn't do, and then doing it anyway. And that's the thing that I don't understand is like, Crenshaw knows who and what these people are. He has benefited from sort of playing footsie with them. And now, again, you're going to go into a place where, and this is what I've always said about the problem solvers or these moderate Republicans. And I, you know, I've taken some flack from some friends of ours who are like, you know, not every Republican is bad. I'm like, if you don't say they're bad, then you're complicit. And if you go along with them, it's the worst of both worlds. One, you're giving them what they want and what they need. But secondly, you're giving them the patina of legitimacy because the Don Bacons or the Brian Fitzpatricks or whoever these other people are, right, look normal, right? I don't know if you're old enough to remember the show V, but it's like it was a show in the 80s and these people, these space aliens come down and then they rip their faces off and they're lizard people underneath, right? Like Jim Jordan's ripped the face off. Everybody knows he's a lizard, right? The question is whether or not Bacon and Fitzpatrick and these other people are. And the good, there's a good chance they are because at the end of the day, they're like, just like the Republican establishment, and we've been saying this now for a few weeks, I might win with Trump. I can't win without him. I might win with Jordan. I can't win without him. And what I don't understand is these people, most of these people had real careers. Fitzpatrick was in the FBI. Bacon was a one-star general in the Air Force. Like These are not people without options, but they're so desperate to hold on to Pennsylvania's first district or Nebraska's second district. And being a member of Congress is like not a great job, right? It's a lot of spending time making donor calls and dealing with lobbyists and then in the home office dealing with constituent services, which is very important. But I don't understand, Liam, to your point, this is why I don't, I'm not a moderate and I'm not a centrist, right? I'm very much a partisan. I'm very much a partisan because if you're willing to call yourself a moderate, you're basically telling your opponents, there are places I can push you that you don't want to go but you don't have the backbone to stop me. And I think that's what we're seeing now. And that really frustrates me. I saw today it's National Spine Day, which almost seems like a joke. <laughs> and it is this, we have a label problem. The lack of muscular centrism, of aggressive centrism, of this bar being so low, of we only need five of them. You just mentioned two. Bacon, we have a poll coming out on Don Bacon's district, Nebraska 2. He cannot win if he is tied to a Jim Jordan speakership. It might not be the best job in the world. These guys do seem hyper-focused on avoiding pain, on maximizing the glide path back. Bacon, if his voters are informed, cannot win re-election by going with Jim Jordan and the Space Lasers and the rest. Fitzpatrick, similarly, he goes from up six to tied when voters are just simply informed of these choices. And the no labels, Bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus. There is a cost to having a broad, bland centrism. You got 32 on one side, 32 on the other side. Nancy Mace, I think, is getting kicked out, which means they're going to have to kick out one Democrat. I don't know how they're going to decide that, but I'd love to be a fly on the wall. You've got a situation where, as you said, it should be 50, but we only need five and they can't even get five. So we need a smaller, more targeted, and they got to learn a bit from Matt Gates, and they got to learn a bit, not that they're equal, but from AOC. They have to learn how to use their asymmetrical power. And there might be a German word for, 
I was saying maybe Shadon MacArthur, you know, whatever. <laughs> probably Weimar is probably the most accurate word. But, you know, spending time, you know, near the political middle, as you do, why is it so hard, just to go back to something I, I was thinking about, why is it so hard to say, this is where I stand? I'm not on an extreme of the left. I'm not on an extreme of the right. I'm not a squish, right? I'm not a centrist, so like, I'll do whatever. I'm willing to work with people who I disagree with, and I'm willing to work across the aisle, but there are principles. And I guess that's the question about your label issue is, why is it that if you're suddenly a moderate, now whatever principles you had suddenly go out the window with it, right? Because, you know, if I was sitting there, you know, I'd be looking at Cheney and Kinzinger and the other seven members who either lost or retired because they, they impeached Donald Trump. And I'd be saying, you know what? I want to be able to sleep at night. I want to be able to sleep at night. And maybe, Liam, is that the issue is that like these guys just don't care? Like they, to your point about pain, it's like, I'll sleep well enough at night knowing that nothing hurts. I mean, the comments you hear from moderate members of Congress when you go say, what can we do to help you? The things that they come up with, you feel like you're at an intake for someone who's really struggling, whether it's far left or far right. I mean, word for word, they'll say they are good at psychological warfare. It is psychological warfare. They wake up and they check their messages on Twitter. They check their mentions, right? Like you said, they're at the office back home. They're at the town hall. They're getting booed. It's this asymmetry. The voters are not there. The polling shows they're not there. The election results show they're not there. But they get in their heads. And on the center, we need our champions. Or we've got people say, what do you need from us? And it'll take a while to build up because you need, you know, we can't just expect courage from people who don't have community and from people whose political calculation doesn't seem to line up. But we can get there because that's where the people are. We know there's money there. It just needs to be directed to the right places. So talk to me about how, as a moderate Democrat, center-left Democrat, if Jordan gets the speakership, does the Democratic caucus hold together? Do the 208 votes, whatever it is, 212 votes, hold together for the next 14 months as a block? Or, you know, does the idea that Jordan's a speaker, he's a terrorist, and now we're going to start negotiating with terrorists? Well, right now they're unified and they're pragmatic and they're very traditionally partisan. So there's one mindset that says this is an opportunity. This is 13 months where we get to go show to the country Republicans are a chaos caucus and you need to give us power in November 2024. But for candidates around the country, for people in tough districts running for re-election, what the data shows and the muscles that we all have to build up on the center is to go and say, we are going to go tell voters exactly what they did. Those 18 Biden district Republicans that Lincoln Project is targeting, the 11 problem solvers in Biden districts that should be considering flipping, their voters have to know. And the challengers have to go say that. Right. To your point, they can't just say, I'm just a generic Democrat. Democrats are good. Republicans are bad. They have to say, I'm going to go do what they promised and they failed to do. And those are the muscles we need to build up in the party. You know, Ken Calvert, Google a picture of Ken Calvert. This is a guy who got arrested on a prostitution charge, hadn't been challenged in 10 years, investigated by the FBI. All his earmarks in Congress had to be overseen. It was the first time that had happened in quite a while. And this is a guy who got challenged by a former Arnold Schwarzenegger aide, a charismatic centrist Democrat. He's a superstar, centrist superstar named Will Rollins. And he couldn't get the resources to get enough oxygen in that campaign 
He made up half the difference between where Gavin Newsom was. He won a ton of split ticket voters and he's going to get over the top this time. But it's people like Will Rollins that need to be household names just as much as the squad. I mean, that's the thing. It's the Will Rollins of the world that are going to make the majority, right? Because those 18 Republicans in Biden districts, there's your majority, right? There's your majority. They, they are not in Brooklyn. They are not in San Francisco. They're not in Los Angeles. They are in Midwestern seats. That's Adam Frisch in Colorado 3, who, you know, God willing, I met Adam and his wife this summer in, in Colorado. Lovely people. Nice guy. Wonderful woman. Like, he should mop the floor with Lauren Boebert this year. But even, you know, you see that that's not a traditional left district. I mean, it's got Aspen, so it's got an enormous amount of wealth sort of on the southern end of it, but it's mostly rural. It's mountainous. It's a lot of ag, right? So you have to have a sensibility that matches the district, not one that matches a Democratic elite in Boston or whatever. Boston, Berkeley, Brooklyn, right? And the beautiful thing about the thing about Adam Frisch that is so inspiring, this guy is a registered independent when 2022 begins. He goes out famously on election night, everyone's saying, why didn't we support Adam Frisch? And we're so inspired by Adam. And the biggest thing is not election night in the general. It's election night in the primary. Adam Frisch barely won his Democratic primary because he was authentic. He was an independent business leader who told it like it was. He's a captain of Team Normal. And he says, this is who I am. And he says the same thing in every room. And people could feel that and they trusted him. And that's why he did so much better than people expected. But that also meant coming really close in the primary to a challenger who would have had no chance at unseating Bobert. And that's another thing this team protect democracy has to do is get behind the people in democratic primaries in these districts, give people like Adam Frisch and Will Rollins a community, and then make sure they can win those primaries authentically and as themselves, right? These people didn't tack left in the primary and then tack back center. This is going to get it. Do you think you can even do that anymore? Not and when. I mean, I just, I just think that like the days of, I mean, you even think back to Romney in 2012 who said, you know, you go here and then you go there. That was, I mean, think about, I mean, it's almost 12 years ago now, hard to believe. But even the level of communication and information available to each and every American is the dark ages compared to now, right? So you either have to, to your point about Frisch, have to be consistent in what you say, or you have to be someone like a Vivek Ramaswamy or a Donald Trump who literally doesn't care what comes out of their mouth at any given time, and that's your thing. And you cannot appease the litmus test crowd. You cannot say, well, I'll give you enough of what you want here, and then maybe you like me. How did that work out for all the Democratic 2020 presidential candidates that said, well, I'm going to go far left, but I'll still be somewhat realistic. And that went to Biden's advantage because he just said, I'm normal. I'm not promising you we're going to ban private health insurance and overall the entire American economy in six months once I get in with the slim majority. Biden didn't lie. And so the idea that you can appease the special interest groups, the nonprofit blob, the progressive industrial complex, and the litmus test crowd, and then tack back to the center right, to the Lincoln Project targets and say, yeah, we know that you might have been with, you know, McCain or Romney or whoever, but trust me, you can come into our big tent. People can sniff that out, like you said, because you're going to get caught on everything. And the other people can just feel it. And I always think about like the, uh, the Q score, right? Like everybody likes The Rock. You know, there's certain people everybody just likes, certain celebrities. And 
you can tell pretty quickly. Like, I trust that guy. She seems like a normal person who would care for me. Right? And you can't fake it with the far left and then skip back to the center and get the McCain vote. You just can't do it. You got to be yourself all the way through. And I think that's what we see from the people who flip seats. And unfortunately, that's what we see on the other side when we lose a George Santos seat, someone who's, you know, a little too left. Well, and also, you know, it's so funny, and, and I, I'm probably guilty of this myself, is I don't consider myself a consultant anymore, Liam. I don't know what I am, but I think I've shed that skin, thankfully, is, you know, the consultant class wants to do that to candidates as well, right? Now, of course, every candidate is different. You don't know what you're going to get. We've talked a lot about on this show, like what it takes, right? And we could tell you a year ago, right? It was probably almost a year ago to the day that Ron DeSantis was doing a a debate with Charlie Crist, and he couldn't answer one question about whether or not he was going to run for president. And we looked at him like, that guy doesn't have any chance. He's going to win Florida. But if he can't beat Charlie Crist in a debate, he didn't have any chance against any of these people, let alone Donald Trump. And so now you start the process of trying to either amplify their worst, like in Ron DeSantis, or make them into something they're not, which is sort of like you took a photograph and then you sort of turned it into like Edward Mook the Scream, right? Like you saw what it was, but it's not that anymore and people don't like it, as opposed to just saying like, this is who we got. You're not going to be anybody else, right? You're not talented enough to be somebody other than you are, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, and that's true for 95% of politicians. There are a few who are really, really good. The rest, everybody else got to play by the rules of human gravity. And I think that's one thing too, in just sort of the whole political set is like, okay, we have to, you know, we're going to do a poll, Liam, and we're going to look at the cross tabs, right? And we're going to say, okay, we need this many voters who believe in this and this many voters who believe in that and this many voters who believe in this. And and what happens then is it becomes this sort of miasma of bullshit that you believe everything, so you believe nothing. And I hate to oversimplify, but as you said, voters, I think, both in the individual and collectively can see through that stuff. And then, of course, the exact opposite is Donald Trump, which is he told you he was lying and nobody cared. Like you said, you do the poll. And by the way, the people doing the poll, they're working for all these super lefty nonprofits that aren't going to win swing voters. A lot of people that are very successful consultants and a full range of functions, most of the races are in Democratic primaries. So if you take someone who's winning that Brooklyn primary and that's all they need to do and then say, OK, go to Omaha and try to beat Don Bacon, that ain't going to work. You know, we have a set of case studies called Win the Middle that we put up about people who win the middle. And one of the big problems is people try to pivot from those deep blue races and the clients that they have in that big progressive nonprofit industrial complex and then swing back to the middle. And the most interesting, nice case study we've had is the exact opposite of the cross tabs and Franken candidate stuff that you mentioned. Because you're right, like DeSantis, most of these people are not winning an Oscar anytime soon. And this guy, the most overperforming state legislator in one of the states where the, the body is decided by one vote, told us the walk packet. They don't get the names on the walk packet or the party affiliation. So when they go up to the door, they don't know what they're getting. It's the opposite of poll tested. It's a constant focus group. And that's the type of thing we need a candidate says, I'm going to just be myself at every door. And we've moneyballed it way too much. And we've outsmarted ourselves way too much. And that's why people like Adam Frisch or Will Rollins didn't get the resources. These were welcome pack candidates last cycle that the just the data didn't show it. But anyone who spent 30 seconds listening to them and then listening to their opponents would say, oh, these people have a chance. And we just need a whole lot more of that. All right. 
let's shift into the forward mode for a second, Liam. So what are you guys looking at in 2024? Yes, we're doing what we did last cycle is taking those districts that are Republican by four, five, six points. And we have a cross-partisan and often non-traditional set of advisors who come together kind of like a venture capital firm would to look at investments. And we say, we're going to do a bunch of different screens. We're going to try to find underrated investments, places where there are Republicans who've undermined democracy but who also have other baggage and where a dynamic big tent Democrat could pull an upset and a place that may not be getting as many resources as it needs. Candidates who aren't getting the backing they need and Republicans who aren't getting attacked in the way they need. So we've identified a couple districts around the country to add to you know, the districts that we were in last cycle. And we need to prosecute this case aggressively. We also need people in these R plus four, five, six districts, and particularly former Republicans, to step forward with what's going on right now in the House. We need Republicans literally flipping, either current Republicans or people who would have been Republicans in an alternate non-Trump universe. In the nine years since Trump announced his campaign, we've had one member of Congress flip parties, and it was from Democrat to Republican, Jeff Andrew. We need to get more people going the other way, more voters, more advocates, and more candidates going the other way. So that's, you know, the name welcome. We view that as a verb. We got to reach out and bring people in and they are uniquely effective, right? Just I think as you found and your co-founders have found, Republicans as voters, as spokespeople, as operatives and leaders, and as candidates have a unique role to play in building a dominant coalition that can defeat Trumpism. Uh, And so we need to keep gaining more and more momentum in as we're seeing from the spineless Republican moderates right now, we have a whole lot more work to do to be able to pull people over. Well, listen, Liam, I want to thank you for what you all are doing. Um, before we let you go, where can we find you on social media if you dare to be there? And where can we find out more about the Welcome Pack? Yeah, so it's at Liam Kerr on Twitter. We'll still call it Twitter. And welcomestack.org is where we publish every week via Substack. And at the welcome. As always, gang, you can find me on Twitter at Reed Galen, on threads and Instagram at Reed underscore Galen underscore LP, and on Substack, the home front. I hope you'll check it out. Liam Kerr, thanks for joining me. Thanks for all you're doing. Great to be here. Thank you. And everybody else, we'll see you next time. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter, at Project Lincoln. And for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. If you want to message the podcast directly, please send an email to podcast at lincolnproject.us. And if you want to personally join the fight to save our nation's democracy, visit jointheunion.us. For The Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. I'll see you on the next episode.